Well, hello, White Sox fans. How you guys doing tonight? Welcome to a melancholy and brutal edition of White Sox Daily Live. Uh, I am. My name is Ian Eskridge. I am joined by my co-host Danny Miller and Xavier Sanchez. How you guys doing tonight? Doing pretty good. A uh, lot to unpack here. Uh, uh, a lot of it not so good. But uh, yeah, I'm ready to roll. How about you, Xavier? How you doing, man? I'm doing pretty great. I uh, would much rather be watching a White Sox game right now, but uh, can't complain. Well, I can, but not, not just yet. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, I, that's why we're here. We're here to uh, complain. <laughs> and we got, pl- you know, like you said, we got plenty to complain about. So, uh, so yeah, I guess we'll just start there. Uh, as all of you know, um, the White Sox were defeated uh, three to one in their uh, best of five series against the Astros, um, who are currently getting their stool pushed in by the Red Sox, which I'm not mad about. Um, <laughs> how you feeling about that, Danny? You feeling all right about that? Uh, not so much. No, uh, don't feel great about that at all. Uh, just for reason being that I felt like the White Sox matched up pretty well against the Red Sox. Uh, and had we gotten past the, uh, Strohs, that, uh, there would have been a pretty good chance of, uh, moving beyond not only the, uh, the division series, but the, uh, the championship series as well. And, uh, it's a bummer to, uh, be sitting here talking about the things that we're going to talk about tonight. Yeah. Uh, I can't disagree with any of that. Uh, you know, although I, I will say that the way the Red Sox are playing right now, uh, with what we saw through the entire season and we talked about the entire season on the stream, I'm not entirely sure that, uh, anything would have worked out much different. You know, I mean, yeah, they might, you know, uh, match up a little bit better, but uh, as you see, the Astros really aren't doing a whole lot either, and the Astros looked unbeatable in the series against the White Sox, you know, whether that be, you know, ineptitude on the White Sox part, uh, which we'll get into, uh, or just that the Astros were that much better, which that's a uh, a whole, to get, you know, a whole different uh, argument, I suppose. Um, I Let's, guess I'm just going to say this, uh, did the white Sox get outplayed by the Astros? Absolutely. Thoroughly. Uh, were there things that could have gone differently that maybe would have made that series, uh, a bit closer, uh, a bit more well fought by the white Sox? I think there absolutely was. And again, that's why we're here tonight, isn't it? Yeah, that's why we're sitting here talking about uh, an Astros-Red Sox game and not a White Sox-Red Sox game, which would have been uh, would have been fun series, you know. I mean, although I guess I can't really say that the Astros-White Sox series was very fun. That was uh, certainly not. Uh, that was like a funeral march. Um, Indeed. Yeah, that uh, the third game, Larry Garcia led the charge for the most part. I mean, you know, Grandal hit the 
home run as well. But when Leori Garcia and Gavin Sheets are your offense for the uh, for the series, more or less, um, that leaves you wanting. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, what they have. Where was uh, the? Where was Tim Anderson? Where was Jose? Well, I mean, where was Yo-Yo? Where yeah, was I mean, Luis? Well, I mean, I mean you know, know, they had some hits. Yeah, they, they had just hits. Couldn't string. They couldn't string them together to plate runs. Uh, and there was a lot, a lot, a lot of singles. A lot of singles. Yeah, you can say that again. Yeah, there was uh, twenty singles before the White Sox got an extra base hit. Twenty. And it was game three before the White Sox got an extra base hit. Um, I'm pulling you know. this up here. Uh, yeah. And it wasn't so much like the White Sox were hitting. They got hits and they got runs. Just the way they came and the amounts. And it wasn't anything that produced when they needed it most. Like they had 41 hits in the series, which is a good good amount of hits for four game span. And like 20 or 30 runs. I am forgetting. I think around 20 something. Uh, which is fair, but only, of the 41 hits, we only had six of the White Sox. They had six extra base that were hits that were for extra bases. Not a single one of those came from the heavy hitters: Anderson, Robert, Abreu, Jimenez, or Mancada. They came from guys. Uh, Lurry had two. I think Gavin Rondall had, had his. Vaughn had the a one, double. and then Gavin yep. Sheets had the two. Yeah, and, and that's that's just it, you know, uh, which this is not something that was new for the White Sox this season, to be honest with you. There was a lot of times uh, early in the season where uh, some of the bigger bats weren't exactly getting it done, and we saw the, the 7, 8, and 9 spot pick it up for the White Sox many times this, this entire season. And we get through that first month and a half of the season where the White Sox look like they're pretty hot and, your mean Mercedes is doing things that uh, nobody expected any rookie to do ever, maybe in the history of the game. And he goes down, you know, he starts to fall off. They send him away. And, uh, you know, the, the rest of the, the rest of the season, the, the Sox barely played 500 ball from, you know, from the end of May, early June, barely played 500 ball. And, uh, yeah, I think, until the uh, last week. Right, until last week of the season, yep. which, you know, was was promising because we all thought, well, if you get hot at the right time, maybe things will work out. But we can sit here and talk about the offense all day long. We and, have. And we have. A lot, we have we've been doing it all season long. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, the thing is, is uh, we can look at, you know, like Xavier says, uh, they scored whatever, however many runs it was. I didn't even think it was 20, but maybe no, that's it was 18. right. But when you get 12 in one game. And you put that, it kind of puts things in perspective. 12 of those 18 runs came in one game, which means you scored six runs in the other three games combined. And that's just not going to be four get of done. them was in one game. Right. So, exactly. Basically, the, the, and, the way that I described it was that they had six runs in their three losses. In those three losses, the Astros had seven runs from walked batters and one from a hit-by-pitch batter. So if they're walked people and they're hit-by-pitch people that scored outscore your offense for three games, no shot. You know, there's no shot you're going to win. 
I mean, it's awful. Yeah, it's brutal. I mean, that that was the definition of, you know, those those games that we were talking about all year long where the White Sox offense just disappeared. And that was perfect prime example of what we've been talking about for months. You know, the thing is, is you don't have to be a stat head. You could be one of those I watch every game guys, and I don't need stats. I don't need you stat nerds to tell me what's going on. And those guys are going to tell you the same thing that we've been seeing without even looking up at a stat. The White Sox went on these offensive outbursts where they scored 8, 10, 12, 15 runs in a game, and then the offense disappeared for three straight. It happened all season long. We did it again in the playoffs. There was... There just there's seemingly no end to that trend, and uh, it came back to bite us in the, in the in the postseason. So, you know, um, but having said that, you know, like I said, we we have been talking about the offense all season long, but the pitching didn't get it done either. You know, let's let's be let's be completely frank here. Uh, what was one of the best staffs in baseball for the better part of the season showed some signs of wear and tear and tiring down towards the end of the season, but was supposed to be the strength of this team. They got beat on pretty badly by a, by an Astros team that just didn't seem intimidated, didn't seem to second think or second guess anything whatsoever. They went out there. They even said things like, I knew what was coming in post-game interviews, and I will, we'll probably get into that a little bit more later on in the show. But all in all, they were outplayed. It didn't look good. We can blame the manager. We can blame the lineups. We can blame a lot of things. But they just were not ready they were not ready i i I don't know man i I, what do you guys is there any one thing any one thing that you guys can pull out and say this is what was the 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 deciding factor the losing factor for the white Sox? there i mean the the issue is is that there is (laughs) bozy says sorry i'm late just got back from fenway had to hit a (laughs) dinger off astros pitching <laughs> uh, why does it say you are streaming MLB the show? Well, Kendall, I figured to get the eyes on us here that it uh, made more sense to uh, put it with something that uh, that uh, kind of relates to what we're doing rather than uh, you know hot tub streams. Hey, John Rules, how you doing, buddy? That's my boy, everybody. Hey. Good evening. Uh, again, I'm not able to follow along in the chat. Uh, just a heads up. I oh, have yeah, zero. the phone's dead. I forgot. Yeah, I have zero phone uh, until uh, they can ship me one, which apparently is going to take some time because, you know, supply chain and everything's out of stock and yada, yada, yada. So I'm uh, I'm flying blind tonight. Uh, if I miss anything in the chat, guys, my apologies. I just can't say it. So there's yeah, that. is what it is. My little disclaimer for the evening. Uh, anything good, Ian, we'll make sure we mention it. Yeah, well, you guys are just the best, aren't you? Yeah, <laughs> you know. I do appreciate it, though. I do, I do. Um, yeah. As far as like, uh, as far as the that series goes, and it being one thing, um, I can't. No, I can't bring up one thing that would have helped the White Sox win that series. I, there's, there is not. I mean, there, there were so many things wrong in that series that uh, trying to, you know, summarize it with one thought. I mean, uh, play better. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. 
Okay, uh, I'm going to back it up the truck here and just tell you why I asked if there was one thing, because obviously I had just gotten done pointing out, you know, a, a multitude of things before I asked that question. And uh, the reason I ask is if you can't point to one thing, what is the one thing that you point to? <laughs> or and when I say you, is is in, you know, fans or owners or, or whoever it might be, experts. What's the one thing they usually point to to say if there's many things wrong with a team that is supposed to be really good? What's the what's the main point the finger of blame go to? And to me, that's got to be the way the uh, the coaching staff handles situations. Yeah, there was yeah, there's a bunch of that. Um, but you know, as as many others have mentioned through the entire year, and, and not to sound you know. Uh, like a TLR stan or anything like that. But I mean, in reality, regardless of the moves he makes, they still didn't hit. They no, they still stunk. didn't score any runs, you know? They and stunk. They I, out stunk. Yeah. And I understand game two, uh, you know, that that, uh, that Lauri move <clears throat> may have been the, uh, basically where the series was lost because if they take that game, you come back to the great tied one, one and then game three, you know, you saw what happened in game three. So if that trajectory happens, the white Sox are two, one going into game four. Um, yeah. At bare minimum at that point, you, you at least go to game five. Yeah. No, bare I minimum, mean, it, it at least goes to game five unless the white Sox win game four, but Bare minimum, if you take that second game, one of two in Houston, and come back home and win game three the way they did, you at least go to game five. You live to see another day, and maybe things turn out differently. I agree a thousand percent, but you yeah, know, that maybe that's uh, that's hindsight. Yeah, well, I mean, the thing was is that after that Lauri play, it's not like they came back, you know, like they stormed back and like showed any signs of life after that. You know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah, as Kendall says, you know, like the Sox should have had home field, and yeah, they yeah they should have, but they didn't, and it doesn't matter at this point, you know. I mean, uh, the 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 issue is is that no matter like all these things that we mention, none of it matters. You, you I mean, ultimately none of it matters because TLR is going to be back. More than likely, the entire you know coaching staff is going to be back. Besides the fact that I've seen everybody and their brother calling for Frank Menachino's head, which he was fine in in May and April, you know, when the White Sox were just scoring all sorts of runs, you know. I mean, yeah, they had a high ground ball percentage, but, uh, you know, I mean, nothing that he did made it so Eloy forgot how to hit and changed his pitching his uh his hitting approach and was trying to hit every ball to the moon. Um Jose Abreu only singles. I mean like did all this stuff it's not on like all the hitting stuff is not on the managers. You know, it's it's just not is that the players have to play better. Now, if you want to get to defensive fundamentals and the st- the sheer amount of stupidity going on out in the field. Yeah. That's a hundred percent on the coaching staff is that if you see these guys missing cutoff men all the time, 
you have to, it has to be fixed, you know? And uh, it, it was a thing all season long. Uh, we talked about it in here a few times. I mean, there, there was so much defensive inefficiency with that team, just, a, you know, like missing cutoff men, allowing guys to go from, you know, second to third or the trailing runner to come up because you overthrow the cutoff man or you don't throw it to the cutoff man. I mean, it was just consistent, you know. It was like everybody was trying to play hero ball and make the big play, but instead of doing that, came up just short, and when making just the simple play would have been 100% better and kept innings from escalating, you know? It's, uh, you know, as they, they say, is that one run, actually, uh, what's his name? Uh, um, uh, Wayne, Wainwright, uh, Wayno from the Cardinals, when he was sitting in the booth, he said, very rarely will one run kill you. It's the multiple crook, you know, the multiple crooked inning numbers or crooked number innings, you know, that will beat you. And I mean, yeah, just making stupid mistakes. You know? Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, I can't disagree at all. Um, you know, they did do a lot of that where they extended innings and they kept the they kept the uh, the parade around the bases going, just making stupid mental mistakes. And these are things that you're taught in Little League. These are basic fundamentals of the game, not allowing runners to advance on just pure dumbness. And I know that's not even a word. But I'm throwing it out there because I feel dumber for having watched some of it. So, you know, yeah, we got to get back to the fundamentals. Uh, there is a, 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 a there needs to be a change in philosophy uh, as just a, a team in general. Um, the hero ball thing, both both sides of of the of the field, offensively, defensively. And then, you know, we talk about all this this de- defensive stuff you're bringing up, missing cutoff, man, and throwing the ball around the field and not making plays that should be made and keeping the, you know, keeping the guys rolling around the bases. But there was another one that we talked about uh, a little bit before the postseason started and seemed to escalate uh, yet again during the postseason was pitchers not holding runners on to the point that we're in one game alone. Three bases were stolen without an attempt to make the play from Yasmin and Grandal at second base to not even make that attempt on the throw to second base. Well, I mean, when the guy's two thirds of the way there, when you get the ball, you're not throwing him out. Well, right. I'm not putting that on him. I'm putting it on the pitchers. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Two things. Oh, uh, really... okay. no, no, go ahead. Please, I know please two things. Uh, the first one, I, I remember that one game, I, maybe game three or four. I, I'm forgetting, but there was that chance where the, the guy was, Stole back-to-back bases and oh, it was Tucker. with, yeah, with no outs. I'm pretty sure. Yep. And guy on third, zero outs. And then uh, you you were saying I felt dumber for watching it. You saying that was reminds me of uh, the Adam Sandler Billy Madison movie where the guy says all this gibberish and was like, uh, "I feel dumber for now having to listen to that." That's how you <laughs> felt watching the Sox. <laughs> I award you no points and may God have mercy on your soul. <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly the scene you're yep, talking about. Pretty much. Uh, Nothing yeah, in your that, incoherent rambling. Yes. Yes, that is the that is the scene. And uh 
that's pretty much how I felt. Um, you know, you mentioned the, the back-to-back stolen stolen base opportunities, and I remember listening. I was on the I was at work and I was listening on the radio, and I don't remember which announcer was that said it. It might have been DJ, who said, "You know, well, that's the that's the perfect opportunity if they, they, the pitcher's not expecting you to uh, just take the base on the next pitch again. To you just took second, let's just go ahead and try to take third, especially a pitcher who hasn't even looked." Hasn't even looked away from the sign or the catcher's glove. To, to look, just look these guys back to the bag for Christ's sakes. You don't even have to make the throw. Step off the rubber once in a while. You know, step off the rubber, pick up the rosin bag, adjust your junk, whatever it is you got to do. Get these guys that half a step closer to the base that they're on instead of the half a step closer to the base they're going to. You might actually have an opportunity to keep a guy from stealing a base on you once in a while. And they don't do it. They don't do it. You know, I hate to uh, talk about those guys up on the north side, but a few years ago there was a big joke made about John Lester not being able to throw to first base because he was afraid to either throw, and when he did throw, he threw the ball wild and away. Just could not throw the ball to first base from the mound. So what did he do? He started lobbing it, stepping off the bag and lobbing it. And guess what? His the attempted steal numbers dropped by like sixty percent on him, just yep. by doing that. So, uh, yeah, again, this was an adjustment that you, I have talked about. People in the in the chat have talked about a lot this year. No adjustments were made in the postseason, and it's a pretty uh, damning issue when nobody even attempts to uh, try to resolve these things. Well, I'm just going to throw this out there. Um, I've heard uh, tons of people blaming Yasmani Grandal. Um, Not his fault, but anyway. Well, I mean, you know, it it could have, I mean, obviously it has something to do with him. And I also heard Steve Stone throwing Yaz under the bus on uh, 670, the score, saying that uh, Carlos Rodon threw his third fastball in a row to Carlos Correa because... You know, Rodon was afraid to throw his slider to Yasmani Grandal because he couldn't block it or whatever. I mean, it just, I, I'm just saying, like, to me, that just sounds completely stupid. Like, you know, his defense wasn't, wasn't the best in the, uh, you know, in the playoffs there or entirely this season. However, to say that, you know, they can't trust him to block a, a slider. Like, it's just like, what, what are you even talking about? <laughs> you know, like that's just, that's just stupid. Um, <sighs> but, uh, yeah. but I'll throw this stat out there and uh, you know, instead of me just spouting my opinions about this stuff, I will spout a stat uh, in uh, 2020, the White Sox, uh, Pitching, well, actually, the entire team allowed 0.25 stolen bases per game and were second best in baseball. This year, dead last, 0.75 per game. Oof. So, whose fault is that? Because, I mean, I've seen, you know, I've seen Yasmani Grandal's numbers. And 
while last year he wasn't great, he did allow some stolen bases. Uh, I looked at his numbers um, with the Dodgers and Brewers, and he's consistently throwing out like 25 guys a year, minimum. And he comes here, it drops down to 12. Ah, Hufflepuffs, thanks for the follow there, pal. Right on. Um, Welcome. Yeah, so you go from 0.25 to 0.75. What is the major difference there? Manager, bench coach, pitching coach. Those three guys. I mean, I got to assume, you know, like we were talking about the uh, last, uh, I believe it was last stream, we were talking about uh, slide steps and asking whether it was a uh, just a conscious decision to eliminate it to possibly help pitchers' arms. Or you know, or or what? I don't know. But um, that does not help with the stolen bases. But clearly, even if uh, you know, I, I see you know, I saw Garrett Crochet. Sometimes he slide steps, but other times he still does his uh, his rockets kick. You know. So what is what, you know, like? What is the issue here? How how is it? that you're giving up 0.75 stolen bases a game now versus 0.25 last year. What what is what is the major malfunction here? <laughs> you know? Like I just don't understand how it goes up a half a stolen base a game. Well, you know, it's funny cuz I uh, I also saw that stat mentioned uh on the old uh, tweet machine somewhere and I don't remember who threw it out there. And of course, if you read the comments, the very first thing that people talk about is uh you know, the big change in the pitching department this year was, you know, Donnie Cooper not being here anymore. And uh, a lot of people were blaming Ethan Katz uh, for maybe a bit of a change of a philosophy. Uh, I don't really know. Uh, there's There could be some truth to that. But uh, in reality, yeah, I mean, I, I know I said that it's not Yasmani's fault. But you would think that maybe Yasmani, if you see your pitcher, not making the throw. I know when I pitched, we had to, there was a signal that the catcher could give to be like, Hey, you know, look the guy back. Yeah. Make a throw to first, make a throw to second. Uh, you know, there was a signal, obviously they're not giving that signal to their pitcher. So maybe Osmani is slightly to blame. I don't know. Uh, maybe it's just a organizational philosophy change this year. It was more about uh command throwing strikes. Don't worry about the runner. I don't really know, but, uh, the reality of the situation is it did not look good for the team and it did cost them runs. Yeah, no, it definitely did. Uh, it was, it was not, uh, it was not pretty. I don't know. Yeah. I just don't know how you get that bad over an off season to go from second best to dead last. I mean, that is just like, such a massive shift that I don't know how how you could even do that, you know? No. Uh, yeah. I, I'm really trying my best here to uh, not go full-blown, you know, truck driver, sailor, and and blow up this, uh, this stream tonight. But, I mean, you know, it's been almost a week since the Sox were eliminated, and uh, it still stings. It still stings a little bit, and it's it's still hard to talk about 
I still get emotional. Uh, but I'm sure you guys were watching on the stream and, you know, those of you who uh, are going to catch the podcast later on after this, you can't see my face right now, but I'm sure the, those of you who can't see my face can see, I am probably beat red <laughs> and uh, really just I, there. I have some anger issues tonight, man. I do. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't blame you. I mean, that, that, that series is enough to make you uh question what is going down at 35th and shields i mean just that that was like just dead ass baseball you know just awful if we were to write a list of things we didn't want to happen going into the playoffs every one of those things on our list pretty much happened that series <laughs> that's fairly accurate yeah yeah it, you know and i felt like maybe uh I, i've been I've been kind of looking forward to this uh, this stream tonight the past couple of days because, uh, you know, I was kind of hoping that this would be therapy. You know what I mean? Let me talk about it. Let me get some things off my chest. Uh, it, you know, we're early into the show here, but uh, right now I'm just feeling all kinds of fired up. So I'm just going to shut up and I'll go ahead and let you guys move on. I'm going to stop for just a second here. Let's move on to the next topic. All right. Well, let's, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, I don't want to completely get away from the series because, you know. No, no, I'm was, not talking that about was the series. end of it. Just, That's the end of the season right away. there. So yeah. there's there's no other baseball to talk about now. So, you know, I, I think that uh, try and uh, talk about, uh, you know, TLR and what you think could have been better from that whole situation. And, um, you know, like a bunch of the stuff that I've seen uh, people complaining about, uh, the the lack of defensive positioning was one thing that, that really got on my nerves quite a bit. And, um, you know, I just with the, the Aaron Bummer situation all year long, dribbling base hits up the middle all year long. And they finally shift, and he strikes everybody out. So it didn't end up mattering anyway. But, I mean. Well, let's talk about that for a second. Let's talk about Aaron Bummer not letting anybody hit the ball. That Those two innings that he pitched, where they shifted everybody up the middle in game three. Let's talk about that. I believe the Sox were down. Oh, it was the fourth inning, five to one. I believe when, uh, when Bummer came into the game. And, uh, or maybe not, maybe it was five to one early in the game, earlier in the yeah. game. I don't remember exactly what the score was. When yeah. Palmer I don't came think in. he came in until the sixth. Is that right? Fifth or sixth. But yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Cause he pitched two innings, correct. Yeah. Or an inning and two thirds, something like that. Yep. Uh, anyways, um, did you notice what Aaron Bummer did differently than just about every other pitcher slider, slider, to that slider point in the series? Yeah. I think he threw like 30 or 40, 30 odd, 40 odd pitches between the two innings that he yeah, pitched. Yeah, he threw like what, one he, fastball? One fastball yep. in two innings. One fastball. Okay, well, since you're saying this, let's bring this up. Hey, Steve Stone, if Aaron Bummer, who has just about one of the nastiest sliders and sinkers in baseball, feels confident enough to throw them to 
Yasmani Grandal, then how come Carlos Rodon doesn't feel comfortable throwing a slider? Like, just get out of here with that stupidity, you know? It has nothing to do with Yasmani Grandal. And he's had a he's apparently had, like, some bone to pick with him all season long. You know, I'm not yeah, saying that he's it. the best defensively, but for crying out loud, to say that he's the reason and he's the issue, like the three fastballs in a row, you know, whatever. But, you know, I mean. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I don't really know what the hell was going on between Steve Stone and Yasmani Grandal. But, yeah, I mean, to your point, why is it that one of our bullpen pitchers who – a lot of people would say struggled a, a better or at least a portion of the season and who was a solid piece of that bullpen that was so awesome last year had some struggles this year uh finally seemed to put it together in the second half and he's not afraid to throw but you've got your starting pitcher that who had just now gone through what they called a little bit of dead arm syndrome for Carlos Rodon and apparently it was like the day before or two days before the game that he pitched in that he started. Uh, I hear cats and TLR saying we've been working with him, and he's found his velocity again. Did we not learn from game one and game two and game three that velocity is not what you need to beat this team to beat these Astros? Why did they have such a hard-on for throwing these grooved fastballs as if they were just going to blow away the best fastball-hitting hitting team in baseball? Well, I mean, the thing is is that you can do that as – If you set them of, up correctly. Exactly. That's the thing is that they have to not be waiting on the fastball or the location has to be correct. You know, you saw, uh, you know – Jordan Alvarez swing, swing and miss on quite a few fastballs on, you know, high fastballs because they were high fastballs and he couldn't catch up to them. However, mid-thigh, ball go, go yeah. far, team go far, you know? All right. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. There was, uh, there again, another uh, philosophy that needed to be changed. Uh, there was this... I don't know. There was just this unnerving need to uh, see fastball after fastball after fastball. Lance Lynn throws like 18 different fastballs in his arsenal, and he threw all of them on his in his start in the first game. Yeah, like 96 he threw all or 97 percent fastballs. Most fastballs he threw ever. 70, he threw 76 pitches, 74 of which were fastballs. Yeah, it was like 97 or 96% fastballs. Somebody did not do their homework. Yeah. Well, I mean. I'm sorry. Yeah, and the thing is, is that I know that Yasmani Grandal goes and uses the Codify service, so he sees all these guys' scouting reports. So my question is, is like, where is the, uh, where's the, where's the mix-up in, in what's going on here? Yeah, where's that disconnect? It, it's got to be coming. It's not coming from Yas. I don't think so either. I, I don't think so either. And I, I, you know, uh, one of those things that happened this year before this season that uh, we talked about that we were hopeful that it would have a positive effect on uh, the analytics was the hiring of um, Dave Duncan's kid. 
and hoping that that was going to be the bridge that was going to bring modern analytics to TLR. And whether it is TLR not listening or Shelly Duncan not giving a, what or is that that's that's right yeah, yeah. Uh, whether he's feeding him the correct information or not compiling it correctly or whatever the the issue is clearly there's some disconnect there and uh, I don't know I don't know where it is you know it's I don't work for the team so I you know I don't have a, an exclusive look into what's going on there but I mean something is clearly not being translated correctly or being paid attention to. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, you can't, I mean, we can, we can speculate on where that disconnect is. Uh, I think we probably all are thinking the same thing. Uh, we watched some very questionable moves all season long. We, we watched some questionable thinking, uh, all season long. And, uh, you know, even if it's not TLR, who do you blame for not making the necessary changes? If it's not him, if it's coming from somebody else, who do you blame? Yeah. He's the guy running the show. Uh, it's your show. You're the guy who's to blame. You're the guy who's going to get all the finger pointing, whether it's you or not. So that's where I'm pointing my finger. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> yeah. I'm saying, yeah. So, I mean, the thing is, is that, uh, you know, I think it was Bruce Levine broke it the other day is that TLR is coming back. Yeah. So, um, like I said, you know, n- no matter what, ha- I mean, he's coming back. And there was like, I, I didn't really think, uh, I thought that there was n- zero chance that he wasn't coming back. So I thought, I thought the same thing. I couldn't believe how many people out there were, like, were thinking there was a possible chance. Like I know, at the same time that report happened, the Cardinals thing and their manager leaving happened. But even with that news, I was like, their TLR has been the guy all season. They've constantly said he's pretty much locked in. And there's, there's really only his age is the only thing really going to get him out of here. At least I think so. Yeah. Well, there's a, there's a couple of, uh, you know, 80 year old men at the top of this organization. And, uh, one of them is going to have to go to, uh, make the other go or vice versa. Uh, you know, and I don't know, I'm not, I'm not trying to say anything bad about anyone. I'm not trying to wish any ill will on anyone, but, uh, it doesn't look like, uh, things are in for an immediate change around here. So yeah, pretty well, much, uh, that's the thing is it, you know, ultimately it's his toy and he's going to do what he wants with his toy. You know, whether and and nobody can talk any sense into him, you know, if that's what he decides that he wants. I mean, that 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 much has been uh, evident since uh, I don't know, since I've been paying attention. So unfortunate, uh, unfortunate, but true. So. um, Yeah, so. uh now that we've talked about that nonsense, um, the uh, the pitching. Ugh. Um, <laughs> Ugh. Game one, bad. Uh, Lance Lynn, not good. Um, what do you give up? Five As runs. Expected. Yeah, no, we didn't. We thought he was going to be. We thought it wasn't going to go well, and sure enough, did not go well. 
Um, so I saw an uh, an article in Fansided that said that uh, that uh, putting Carlos Rodon in, in game three or in uh, game four was a mistake, and TLR lost the series by putting Rodon in, and that they should have pitched Lance Lynn. And uh, yeah, last I checked, uh, Rodon he had two walks in the uh, third inning and then got pulled, and his velocity did dip a little bit. Um, but it was the command that kind of was lost, uh, which I think is why they pulled him. However, um, to suggest that Tony Larusa lost the series because. He pitched Carlos Rodon instead of Lance Lynn. To me, seems um, asinine. I'll say it. Seems kind of seems kind of dumb because he got hit harder than Rodon did. So I don't really uh, understand how how that was uh, a thing. I don't even know who. I yeah, I have no idea who it was. I didn't even look. I saw the headline and saw. Yeah, I just kind of shook my head and I looked at it and I said, "Yeah, no, this is wrong." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't even need to read that article. That headline says, uh, "You know what? There's a whole lot of stupid going to be in this article." So I'm just going to go ahead and skip that. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, I'm sure people say that about some of the things I've written. I have thick skin. I don't really care. I'm just going to say, you know, those people. You know what I got to say to them? I'm smarter than you. <laughs> Next. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, we've we've all seen some some really uh some really dumb <laughs> articles out there and I mean, just like the I'm really not. I'm just an average Joe, but you know, that's how I feel. Here's you know, here's an issue is that your your starting pitching, which was uh you know, basically your strong, you know, like like more or less your strong suit until uh, late July. Um, those guys got tired, and uh, you know, Giolito had a couple of uh, you know still had some some gas left in him, but uh, he didn't look you know so hot in his start either. And uh, I mean, he didn't look bad, but he looked like uh, you know he was just uh, he was erratic. Seemed like he had. Uh, he was super stressed out. He was, uh, it's like he was on some cocaine out there, you know, sh- you know, just uh, sitting there doing this <laughs> the entire time, you know, and you know, and yeah. you know, just uh, you know, like that's his that's his intense thing. Is uh, looks like you know, he's on a gack bender, but um, you know, like he was, you know, it looked like he was pressing really hard, and it didn't end up, uh, you know working out there either and you know uh end up uh it didn't end up mattering because you know they scored nine runs and you have that Leori nonsense in there and whatever but well let me ask you this though do you blame that on a 60 game season last year i blame it on yasmani grandal isn't that what we're all doing here oh i don't know (laughs) when did steve's ladies and gentlemen steve stone (laughs) He's uh, joined the show tonight. See, the problem is, uh, is that Giolito's afraid to throw his changeup and his slider and his curveball because he doesn't think that Yasmani's going to block it. One of the best changeups in the game. Not yeah. going to throw it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He was. I mean, he was having problems commanding it, and I'm. You know, I'm not saying that. I, I'm not even. You know, whatever. 
I, I, I mean, I, I'm the only reason I ask is because you know we we can talk about how pitchers look like they were dead in the second half of the season, which you know, fine. Uh, they only they only played in a sixty game season last year, but you know what? So did every other team out there, and uh, our starters couldn't get past four or five innings. Yeah, you know, if anybody should have been tired, it should have been the damn bullpen. Yeah, bullpen uh, got worked. Twelve point one innings pitched, ten point two two ERA for our starting staff for that series. That is not going to get it done. It's garbage. Yeah, awful. And you know, I mean, you could say what you say what you want about uh, fastball this, fastball that. You know, Ryan Tapera, he was throwing fastballs, and he was getting people out because his hey, command was him. good. Hey, he located them. Yeah, that's. I mean, that that is point blank. What's the pro- what the problem is here? None of our starting staff was locating. None of them was throwing. You know with any command of anything really except for you know every once in a while you know uh i'd say i guess i could say that the first innings were generally pretty uh generally pretty good you know you had a couple of times what is it like uh two of the games started with uh striking out the side in the first inning cease and uh rodan both struck out the side in uh the first inning and both fantastic yeah looked great Gave, gave me well, and I don't say I say looked, but I, I listened on the radio because I was at work and I don't have a TV available at the time. But uh, my point is, is you know, the start to both of those games gave me hope, and uh, you know, it only was an inning later where you kind of felt that hope just start to fizzle. And by the third inning of both of those games, I was going, you know what, this just doesn't feel right, it didn't feel right. Uh, you know, they talked about the fans at the stadium, uh, at home in Chicago here. Awesome, awesome response from our, from our fans here in the South side. Everybody came out, you know, some of you guys didn't get the memo on the, uh, on the, on the blackout, but, uh, that's fine. Uh, there was a lot of energy there and, uh, I guess that energy just wasn't enough for the team to feed off of. Uh, and you know, you, the, you could feel the energy kind of fade in parts of the game. And I kind of felt the same way listening to the game on the radio. Uh, and it's just, I don't, it's, it's hard, man. It's hard to talk about. We talked about it last Monday on the black for the blackout on uh Sunday night. And like people knew some people, a lot more people knew with the night game that it was going to be a blackout. There was a few sprinkled in. Obviously we had the picture last week of a few people in the behind home plate, but even more people on that Tuesday game, or wearing their white and black jerseys or gray t-shirts or whatnot. Also I... supposed to be wearing blackout. Black. The blackout. Yeah. Yet again. Yet again. Uh, Got to wonder if, you know, I don't know. I know some folks uh, were blaming it on the bandwagon jumpers. I don't really know. But, uh, yeah, how do you not get that memo? <laughs> I don't I don't want to talk about it too long because we beat up on those people pretty good last week. But, yeah, well, you know. Jeez, people. Like, Jeez, I'm I'm really trying to bite my tongue here. Yeah, so I compiled a, a you know a you know a bunch of stats here from the series that uh, are kind of uh, I I felt were like uh, very important, and um, one is runners in scoring position. The White Sox uh, batted 306 with runners in scoring position. Uh, 11 for 36. The Astros in the series batted 378 
17 for 45. Now, that's impressive, okay? But if you take out game three, the one game where the White Sox, uh, you know, came out to play, uh, they were three for 21 with runners in scoring position, 143 average. Uh, Astros, 14 for 38, still batting 368. 143, you know, you know how much, you know, you want to talk about batting average, whatever, that it's not uh, a, a great stat to, pr- you know, as a, uh, a predictive uh, stat or. Yeah, but in a small sample like that, I think it's pretty, uh, you're, you know, we talk about OPS and, and batting average and things of that nature. But well, we know that they only hit singles, so there's no OPS really there <laughs> either. So. Well, right. But, you know, batting average in a small sample like that is kind of it will tell a story. Yeah. Uh, it does have its place. And that's when you're talking about a small sample size, that's probably the, the best place for it to be used. And it, it does tell a story. And the story is the White Sox couldn't hit with guys on base, guys in on, on second or third base for three out of the four games. That's what it says. Yeah. I mean, uh, as Xavier mentioned earlier, this is another one of the ones that I uh that I that I grabbed was that the White Sox had 41 hits in their four games. 41 hits, 35 singles, like Ugh. 35 singles. Like I don't how you even get 35 singles in four games. Like how do you even do that? I mean that's like you have to try hard to only hit Ugh. singles. I gotta see the BABIP. Actually, that, you know, I series. yeah, I I seem to remember seeing something at uh, that. Uh, hey Xavier, I think you're frozen. Um, the uh, the batting average. I want to say that the White Sox batting average was. I want to say like right up there with the Astros. So when you're talking about batting average, you know, woo 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 about batting average. It shows you how you know, like how much it doesn't hey. necessarily really uh, matter, because you know, uh, I think Luis Robert hit like four seventy something. Um, Yoan Mankata hit two fifty. Uh, Eloy hit like three hundred. Uh, like I think the only one who didn't have like a, a decent batting average, more or less, was Grandal, and. Uh, you know, he had one of the extra base hits and walked a few times, but he didn't really do a whole lot else. And then, uh, you know, uh, Cesar Hernandez didn't do anything either. Um, also awful. Um, but yeah, uh, and Leury, you know, we, opted, we opted to bring him into a game where there was still a chance. I mean, pinch hit for oh, whatever. Sorry, I'm gonna stop. Yeah, no, that that yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we can get into the uh, the Cesar Hernandez love fest in a little while. Um, when we go over the list in a while, list. Yeah, give give all his uh, qualifications for uh, sticking around. Where's Where's White Sox premium cake? He's got a list going somewhere too. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, yeah. it not, it doesn't pertain to off uh, to the postseason this year. So, Different yeah. So list. he mentioned uh, adrenaline for uh you know uh for the for the starting staff now if i remember correctly last year every single one of those pitchers 
Uh, I mean, Rodon doesn't really count because he uh, pitched, you know, like uh, what, like one third of an inning or whatever in uh, in the playoff series last year. But Giolito pitched last year, shoved. You know, had like a perfect game going through like six or something like that against the A's last year. Uh, Cease didn't hardly get a chance to pitch. I mean, he pitched like what one inning or something like that, or two thirds of an inning. Like, didn't really pitch a whole lot. Uh, Keuchel, uh, who wasn't on the roster for this Astros series, um, I have zero uh, faith in him to do anything against this Astros team because every time he's pitched against them, they beat his brains in. So I don't think that uh, if he was in uh, on the roster for this series, I don't think it would have changed. Um, Lance Lynn has been... Uh, in plenty of playoff games, so look, look bad most of them. So here's the question. Well, I mean, here's a like I brought this up when Lance Lynn was uh, traded for for Dan, for uh, for Dane Dunning, is that if you look at Lance Lynn's stats in the second half, he always funnels a little bit at the end, and all of his good numbers that he works for kind of get torpedoed in the last, like, month of the season. I mean, it's it's very oh, consistent. His, his postseason numbers are atrocious. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably – We talked be- about this during, uh, during a, a, one of our first bro- uh, podcasts together back in January. So, yeah, uh, you know, I'm sure there's a few people in the chat that would agree that, uh, you know, they have talked about it, and, and we knew – we yeah. knew. Yeah, Kendall says I said that. I was told it wasn't important. Yeah, just like uh just like winning winning games in uh September also not important. Getting healthy is what's important. Oh, but analytics are no good. We're nerds. Nerds. Well, I mean, it's like the thing is is that uh you know, like we've been talking about it for months now. So it's not like it's anything it's not like it's anything new that we're saying, you know. Uh it just so happens that uh, all the uh, other people started to kind of catch wind of that on the other uh, the other bigger podcast, you know, with the uh, the Chucks and the, those kind of guys starting to say, well, maybe this is an issue. They're kind of inconsistent. Well, no kidding. Since June, <laughs> you know, so, I mean, I, whatever. Um, I kind of... Like my feeling is, is that the team pretty much peaked in May, and that's the issue. Uh, well, there's they didn't pretty much it. it they did. They peaked yeah. in May. Uh, they were, what was it? Eighteen games. Eighteen games 18 over five hundred. Yeah, or five five hundred in the first half. In the first, well, I mean, they were eighteen oh, games yeah, over in the first uh, two months. Right. So, and uh, we talked about how you know. You know, we've talked about TLR and the possible other managerial hires that the Sox could have had, and one of those being AJ Hinch up there in Detroit. And uh, you know, we've talked a little bit about what Detroit did this season. And when you talk about that 18 game lead that the Sox had in you know May, early June, uh, they finished the season 21 over 500, 21, and uh, that uh. That Detroit team pretty much hung right there with them. 
So, right. No excuses. <laughs> I specifically wore that shirt for tonight, uh, FYI. Just because yeah. uh, we're not here to make excuses. We're here to talk about what the what the, what the actual problems are. Now, will any well, of it this, change? I don't know. The thing is, it's reality. Uh, you know, I, it doesn't make me feel better one way or the other, but it is reality. It, it's it's what happened. We all watched it. We've all talked about it. And now, like you're saying, it will change to be made. And there's a part of me that uh, doesn't feel like there's going to be any major changes to this team this offseason. We... I, you know, get to the numbers. Uh, we'll get to the numbers after the uh, the halfway point here in a few minutes, and we'll move on from the series. But uh, but yeah, I don't uh, I don't foresee a whole lot uh, major changing. That's for sure. No, no. Uh, you know, and there are a few people that will say, you know, maybe that there might be a player change here or there. You know, so we've got guys in the organization that can jump in and fill some of the holes that we know need to be filled. Uh, you know, we need at least one more frontline starter some people will say we need a right fielder which has been a black hole for you know i don't know how long and uh we need a second baseman and you know there's the some that have the philosophy that it can be found right here homegrown or maybe not totally homegrown but somebody that's already in the organization and there are others that will tell you differently but uh i don't see any i don't foresee anything big happening this year i really don't either uh, and the numbers, we'll talk about numbers that we're going to yeah, talk about here in a little bit are going to show exactly yeah. why. Yeah. Uh, Kendall says, uh, if they don't go out and seriously address the issues via free agency, I will be really pissed. Well, prepare to be pissed. Yeah, we're going <laughs> to get into the numbers here in a minute, and they don't look great. So Yeah. Uh, yeah, the Kopech moving to starter thing, yeah, that should I mean, that, that should have been addressed much earlier. I mean, you know, his little, uh, his little knee injury or whatever – uh, aside, like they should have been, they should have been stretching him out for for ages, and they just didn't. Uh, I know that they said that they had a plan, but uh, to me, yeah, he'll still be on an innings limit because they didn't stretch him out this year. They are a hundred percent to blame for ninety percent of the issues that they have, and uh, you know the roster construction. Um, you know, like there are some, there are some things that they could have done differently that would have uh, altered the trajectory of this team that they did not do. And uh, I guess we can get into that a little bit later um, once we get past this. Uh, oh, oh, now now here's a great idea. This is probably one of the best ones I've seen from Kendall. Uh, oh, and rebuild the entire training staff. That's, this training staff has got to go they have got to go i mean uh you know when we when we brought when we brought up you know when i brought up that uh that graphic of the uh the leg injuries and how the white Sox are far far away and above everybody else pretty much in all of baseball other than like you know give or take like one team or two teams i mean that's there's there's something seriously wrong. I I have a hard time believing that literally everybody on the team is uh you know as delicate as wet bread, you know? It's like everybody on the team just having like, you know, month and a half long injuries, 
you know, throughout the year. It's just, it's not, uh, not acceptable. Yeah. Nope. Not the Sox, but the Bulls as well. Yeah. Um, I will, uh, bring this up, um, because I don't want to make it through the entire stream, uh, without bringing it up, but, uh, congratulations to the, uh, Chicago sky on winning the, uh, WNBA hey. championship. So we have something positive Somebody in Chicago. In Chicago is playing well. Right on. Great um, job, ladies. Yeah, actually ladies have uh, something to root for. Uh, that was nice. Um, yeah, and uh, also, oh, one other really awesome thing that just got announced is that uh, MLB will now be paying for uh, MILB players' uh, lodging during the season, which is also awesome, something that should have been wow, done freaking 20 time. years ago. But, uh, you know, hey, better late than never. Right yeah, maybe, sort of. Not really. Because uh, I know that uh, the White Sox have had a couple of guys retire uh, because they don't have that kind of lodging. So, uh, you know, Taylor Varnell being one of them uh, put in his uh, walking papers after the season because uh, he wanted to go and uh, raise a family and he wasn't making any money because he had to pay everything for rent and food to survive. Uh, I was living in a uh, campsite actually in a uh in a caravan so um yeah but uh oh yes uh the AFL yes the Arizona Fall League also up and going um i've seen a couple of ab's um mlb in their infinite wisdom still not televising the Arizona Fall League or the uh Arizona Complex League as uh either um what the point of that is, I don't know. Um, but, uh, yeah. So that's getting going. Um, which league, which league was that? Yes. You heard the Arizona complex league. We're not talking about it. We're not saying it. Not going to do it. Yeah. Not going to do it. MLB talking about buying their own streaming service. Yeah. I believe, um, and actually, uh, I listened to a podcast a while back. It was Pinwheels and Ivy, and uh, they had uh, one of the guys, um, Cubs Insider, uh, I forget what his name is, but he was on that podcast, and he was actually talking about their streaming service that they have and uh, this company that they are a major shareholder in and uh, was saying that that was probably going to end up being uh, a huge source of revenue, and uh, here we are talking about a streaming service coming for Major League Baseball, and I'm fairly sure. No, it's not Sinclair. It's uh, I'll have to look it up. But I hope it's not Sinclair. <laughs> no, yeah, it's not Sinclair. I can't. I can't remember who, uh, what the name of the company is. I'll have to look it up. Uh, but there is a. Uh, they are kind of like uh, they were. They were hiding the fact that they were major shareholders in it for a long time. Um, and this, uh, th- that podcast, there was like some, some really interesting stuff, uh, on that podcast, but I can't remember when it was. I want to say it was like, uh, late last year that that podcast was from, but I can't remember. Um, yeah. This yeah, is God, me. I hope, it's, I hope it's Sinclair because Sinclair doesn't Sinclair own that, uh, piss poor excuse of a of a broadcasting service that the uh the northsiders use yes the marquee network yeah yeah i'm pretty sure sinclair is the uh 
proprietary owner of that uh, that network. So this is I'm me sorry. being dumb, but what is, what is uh is MLB Network like? What is that like in terms of MLB? Are they separate things? Are they tied? No, they own it. Yeah, MLB yeah, owns it. MLB that. owns it. Yeah, uh, the company was called uh, the the company that I'm talking about that is a streaming service is called BamTech. And it was uh, purchased by the Disney company for $2.58 billion in 2017. Uh, that service turned into ESPN+. Plus. And uh, Major League Baseball is a major uh, shareholder in that company. And uh, just the revenue alone from that is like in the uh, hundreds of millions of dollars every year. So every time you hear about uh, and all that goes into revenue sharing. So every time you hear about the uh, the owners talking about uh, catastrophic uh, whatever whatever that the thing that the Ricketts hey. said. Uh, We're so poor. What was it? Uh, catastrophic losses. It was something along those lines, but it was just absolutely ridiculous hearing coming from a billionaire. Um, but. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure that it'll probably end up getting tied up through Bam Tech, and that's probably how they'll do their uh, their own thing. And they they were supposed to uh, part of the whole thing about the uh, minor league restructuring was that they were supposed to get uh, cameras, high def cameras at every single stadium throughout all of minor league baseball. And uh, I believe that's supposed to be by next year because it was definitely not this year because there's still a lot of teams without cameras because. Uh, I missed out on a lot of minor league baseball due to that. So, I am hoping this ahead, works out. Hoping this works out for uh, revenue streams to assist the M, uh, minor league baseball, especially. But um, my grievance with the streaming services, uh, when they first came around, the whole big thing was cutting the cord and not having like cable TV. But now there's yeah. so many of these services. Yeah, I know. If you want to watch, like, I, I watch a variety of stuff. By the time you have everyone, if that's a, the plan, uh, you're basically, I would assume, you pay for... You're paying, you're paying more. The same more. You're paying more. Paying more. Yeah, that, see, like, that's the thing, is that that's how they got everybody, by saying that, oh, yeah, cut the cord, you'll save a lot of money. Yeah, you'll save a lot of money if you only watch Netflix. If you only have Netflix, yeah, you'll save money. But the problem is, is that all the stuff that you've watched and... Everybody's like, oh, did you see this show on this network? Oh, yeah, it's awesome. Uh, HBO Go. Oh, cool. Extra 10 bucks a month, you know? And, and now then... it seems like everyone has their own. It was just a few, and now it's everyone now. Yeah. And then, like the ones that it started with, like Netflix was Netflix and Hulu seemed to be the big ones. And now all their programming is being like stripped because the Disney stuff's now on their own. Uh, Hulu had like NBC and all of that. Some of those are still there, but now NBC has their own thing, and they're going to slowly take Peacock. They that. can't. They can't figure out why everybody wants to, to, you know, keep up with the whole piracy thing. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Why? Yeah. You're Kendall's... stealing content. Exactly. You're stealing you know? content. Yeah. Oh it's my a... God, you're stealing content. Yeah, because I can't afford 400 freaking streaming services. Yeah. At 10, 12, 15 bucks a month. You know, I, I don't have a thousand dollars to spend on a month on my entertainment services. Uh, if I did, I'd be, I'd be hanging out at the strip joint. Sorry, Mama, just kidding. Donuts thirty three. They 
they bought the NHL 10% for $350 million. And I would assume that he's talking about MLB MLB as well. Owns 10% of the... Uh, oh, Disney did. Disney owns 10% of the uh, NHL. Um, I think Disney owns like 10% of everything. Yeah, they own a bunch of the basketball, uh, the NBA as well. I know They that. own you, Danny Miller. Ah, they probably oh. do. Ooh. They probably they well, but at least ten percent of me somewhere. I'm sure. I'm sure. Although know, you know what, I haven't, I've, I haven't actually ever spent a dime at uh, Disneyland or Disney. Oh, I shouldn't say that. I never went into the Disney or Disney Disneyland or Disney World parks. But you know, I lived in Florida for a while, and I kind of went and did some of the things outside the parks that I'm sure Disney owned. But you know, I'm sure that's a part, probably a big reason why it costs like nine million dollars to go on a vacation for you know family of like oh, five yeah. or six yeah we actually uh we had plans to go to disney world we actually canceled it twice because of this whole lockdown thing and them canceling half of the stuff that they do at, at uh, disney world um so we're like all right well i'm not gonna pay the full price of going to disney if only half have. of the stuff is closed <laughs> like what's right. the, what's the point so you know like they don't do right. the parades they you know so it's like all right well if they don't do that stuff then why am i gonna bother paying you you know, $10,000 for $5,000 worth of product. So, and I'm fairly positive that, uh, you know, my boy isn't going to want to ride half the rides anyway. So, uh, you know, what's the point? Yeah. You know, it's the most wonderful place in the world. And uh, <laughs> so I've it's heard. It's the most wonderful so I've place heard. in the world. And let's be honest. Like I said, I haven't been into like the actual amusement parks, but I have seen a lot of the things down there. They got some pretty awesome stuff going they do, on down yeah. there. There's a lot of cool but, stuff. But, uh, you know, just, I don't know, just not my thing. I will throw my money away other ways. But, yeah. you know, nothing against the people that want to go down there. Uh, I don't have a family, so that's probably, or at least children, I should say. Yeah. Probably why I don't want to do that. Anyways, that's enough about Disney. Let's move on. This is a White <laughs> Sox. This is mouse. a White Sox. Uh, yeah. Screw you, mouse. <laughs> All right, well, I'm going to take a... Uh, a a five-minute uh, oh. disappearing session. Um, yeah, you do that. I thought we were going to get into numbers. Yeah, we'll do I that as soon as I get a, back. I got some comments. More. Yeah. So I'm sure Xavier being – you still hearing? Nope, not anymore. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Xavier, my man, how you doing, brother? I'm good. I'm good. I uh, I know – if I know you, like I think I know you, you have spent some time since this series has ended since the season has ended on some talking points that you would like to get off your chest because you were pretty good at digging up some stats and I would like Um, to hear about those things right now. You know, not as many as I had hoped. Um, I'm, I kind of been, uh, I'm really big. We mentioned the Chicago sky. So I, I, I'm, I'm a huge follower of them. So I watched a lot of their stuff this week, but uh, yet tomorrow even I'm going to be at their events. I got a press credential and everything, so I'm pretty excited. Hey, right on, right on. Good for you, man. That should be pretty cool. But I did, while we were talking here, have a discussion when you guys, or a thought, you guys were discussing about how some of the needs the White Sox need, and we have just kind of been filling some of those. Um, One of them was right field. Uh, going into the 2020 season, one of the things I've been saying was 
I, I used to tweet out the long laundry list of White Sox third baseman since Joe Creedy last had his solid season. They punched in so many people, a lot of no names even. That's now an issue with right field. I went back, pulled the, the starter list. I'm sure if I dig some more, I'll find some crazy names for the <laughs> random guys sure who play 10, 15, 20 games. But just the starters, uh, guys that probably shouldn't have been starting as much as they did. Uh, they might have had some good moments, but uh, on a, a team you want to win, these aren't your guys. Uh, they had, obviously, Avcil Garcia, Larry Garcia, and Viciedo back in 2014. He was the main starter. Uh, Alex Rios, who pulled some solid moments. After, before that, Rios, close Quentin for two years. Jermaine died from 05 to 10. Joe Borchard in 04. Obviously the best one of all of them. Maglio from 98 to 03. And I, I dug and looked back at that list of guys who filled in throughout those seasons. It gets even uglier. Yeah. Uh, it's It's been... And, you know, you, some of those guys that you mentioned, you know, obviously Maglio uh was was a it was a it, his thing was he was he was offered uh, a pretty big contract uh to leave chicago uh there were a lot of chicago fans that you know were a little upset about how that whole thing went down uh i remember giving him uh, an extremely hard time uh in game 162 against uh the tigers in 08 uh and uh and uh, so much so that uh he might have flipped me the bird because i was sitting first row uh right out there in right field so but uh yeah aside from him and in a short time of, of maglio ordonez you know you mentioned carlos quentin you know he was pretty good when his back wasn't spasming constantly uh there's been next to nothing out there next to uh, nothing to, to answer uh premium k Diane Viciedo played 84 games in right field that 2014 season. He played 55 in left, so he did play a decent amount during his career, especially that season, in right field. Yeah. uh, Tank was one of those guys we were hoping would put it all together. Didn't quite work out. Uh, Played a little bit after leaving the Sox. Didn't do much there either. pretty unfortunate you know he was another one of those homegrown or at least you know he came up through the sock system and uh you know that pipeline it was it was part of that pipeline it just didn't work out uh Jermaine Dye obviously big hero in that 05 season uh got himself a uh world series mvp pretty awesome stuff but you know we're going back 16 years now yeah. to uh, to look at a player like that and uh you know there really isn't much to talk about after that you know there was there was a time where Rios had like one good season with the White Sox and was pretty much garbage after you know um uh, you know it's it's just shameful that an organization such as ours are in a, in this market and I say ours because, you know, we're the fans that pay the bills. But uh, in in in, a, in the third largest market in the country, 
you can't put a solid right fielder in that hole for pretty much the last 15 years or so. I think next week I'm coming with the full list on this one. I just was looking back at the same season. Uh, area played uh, a good 80 Ooh. games as well. Yep. Who is the question? Moises no. Syria as a right fielder, Sierra, 2014 yeah. Sox. Yep. Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah. MVP and c- candidate, no six. Uh, I don't know if you were around for this, Kendall, and this might have been pre. I, this is definitely pre-stream. It might have been just at the beginning of our podcast uh, time, me and Danny together. But um, there is a member here on Twitch somewhere. I don't remember what his name is. It's been ages, but his uncle was uh, Alex Rios's uh, personal trainer. And uh, he imparted some wisdom on me, and I'm not going to sit here and uh, get myself into any legal trouble, but we'll just say that uh, there's some magic potions going on in that uh, in that area. Yeah. You take from that what you, uh, what you will. Oh, good old Nick Swisher, my favorite. Oh, I thought you were talking about Rios. I guess that was a little bit later than that anyway. So you're right, you're right. Um, yeah, Nick Swisher, my uh, least favorite White Sox of all time. Come on, you don't like the face plant? Can't stand that guy. Can't stand him. And uh, followed by uh, Jeff Samarja as uh, no, no, number two. And uh, number three would be Alex Rios. Oh, so, come on, man. Uh, it's my, you gotta, you my gotta love that, that that haymaker that the shark threw in the, in the bench clearing brawl. Oh, that yeah. Was... Well, fine. Fine. All right, you can throw. He threw a punch. Cool, you know. Like uh, I, I will also say that uh, Kyle Farnsworth, his tackle uh, that he did in a game was awesome too. However, uh, you know, it was the old Stone Cold Spear, wasn't it? Yes. Uh, well, uh, the Gold Goldberg Spear. The Goldberg yeah. Spear. Yeah. Oh, you're right. You're right. So, uh, yeah, David Wells also not one of my favorites. Uh, Bartolo Colon, not one of my favorite White Sox, just because he uh, decided to uh, completely disappear, like literally disappear for a couple of months, and nobody had any idea, like where he where he was, whether he was dead or alive. Nobody knew. He just disappeared for a couple months. Oh, so, uh, that one I do remember, but I'm obviously so too young for David Wells. Can you know that one? Why he's on? A no fanless. Ah, uh, he's just a jerk. <laughs> jerk. Yeah, he's just a giant jerk. I wasn't uh, sure if there's like one big instance. No, that. no, there wasn't one big instance. I mean, he was just kind of a like an overall jag, he's just a, you know, he's just a tool bag, you know. Yeah, and like uh, one of my favorite. I will say there is something that he did that I found to be uh, really funny. Um, he bought uh, a Babe Ruth hat at, on uh, an on like a, a Christie's auction or something like that. Paid like two hundred and fifty thousand dollars for it or something, and then he wore it when he was pitching in a game. It uh, wore it. He, he wore it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He got fined oh, for it. Low. Like it was like it was a thing. I don't I don't remember ex- when it was, but uh, pretty funny stuff. All right, so a YouTube video. So real quick, uh, yeah. you were just going down the line of your, you know, 
least favorite yeah. White Sox players of all time. You know, you mentioned this. This we might as well just call the Gacker cast today because you know, Esteban Loiza oh. was one of my favorites for a while there, and not for that reason. He was just he was he was good for a little bit there with the White Sox, but you know. I digress. Yeah, I found um I was looking through some of my stuff from uh you know, when I was a a much younger lad and I happened upon some uh some of those uh White Sox uh um programs that you would buy at the games. And uh two of the programs that I happened to find both had giant Esteban Luiza posters in them. I was like, "Oh, this is awesome." So, uh, yeah, so I still got those. <laughs> mm. Yeah, can't find his jersey anywhere, though. Yeah, no, I wouldn't imagine so. Uh, let's see. Um, it's almost as bad as looking for an Aaron Hernandez jersey these days. The catcher from the last two years that got popped for PDs, are you talking about Wellington Castillo, I assume? Beef! Yeah, old Beef Wellington. Um, yeah. Also, also fits on that list of uh, guys that uh, not my favorite, but uh, you know, hey, he did his thing, and uh, and then he got out of there. So yeah. it's nice that uh, he, that he's gone now, and that we don't have to think about him again. Although he would be a halfway, uh, he would probably be a better backup catcher than what we saw this year, but uh, not by much. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So I, I got nothing. Do we want to move on? Move on to the yes, uh, the numbers. 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 <laughs> this is where we get down to the nitty gritty here, guys. Donuts thirty three. Met Cologne and Loiza at a bar. Douchebags. <laughs> oh, I was gonna say, where'd you meet them in the bathroom? Oh, hey now. <laughs> Gaggers off the toilet seat. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the uh, one of the bars that I worked at, they would take. Uh, silicone uh, like a like a, a silicone uh spray and they would spray down the bathrooms with it so nobody could go into the bathrooms and do anything on any of the uh toilets that's good stuff the fact that people even think about doing things off of toilets or backs of toilets or sinks or shelving in a bath that's just freaking gross yeah no that's Absolutely uh disgusting that is um that's uh, desperation right there. Um, all right, so uh, we have, uh, since uh, we are no longer in the uh, postseason, uh, the White Sox are currently probably in the process of uh, getting everything uh, going as far as uh, free agency and um, who they're going to uh, go to arbit- arbitration with. Uh, silicone, yeah, like a uh, spray silicone. It's like a, a lubricant. How are we still on that? This, uh, I, this yeah, I don't know. He's uh, going off the rails or <laughs> on the rails, maybe. I don't know. How does that work? Okay, well, uh, basically, uh, it works like this. So, um, it's kind of an oily substance, so it sticks around. So, if somebody goes ahead and puts some powder on anything that has the silicone on it, uh, basically, it sticks and it won't come off. So it basically ruins it. So yeah, that's 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 how that works. Um, anyway, all right. So let us move on. Um, here we go. You guys ready for some numbers? Here we go. Yeah. So as you see, there's some uh, there's some pretty big names 
on that list. Um, so you have uh, Craig Kimball with your $16 million club option or $1 million buyout. Now, we saw a lot of people talking this week. I'm sure you saw it on Twitter or you know various uh, other social medias, Facebook, blah, 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 whatever. Um, what are you thinking that they're going to do with uh, the option on Kimbrel? Uh, they're going to have, well, I mean, here's the thing. You, you give up Nikki Madrigal and Cody Hoyer for Craig Kimbrell. You cannot, you, you, you can't just let him go. You can't let, you can't, you can't let those two guys go to the Cubs and not get anything in return for Kimbrell. Uh, my thought is, is that the free agent market is pretty thin on closing pitchers and somebody's going to be looking for something. Uh, and you know, being that before Kimbrel came to the sauce, he was having, I mean, he was, he was top one, two, as far as closers goes across the, the, uh, the entire league. So I think somebody's going to want to take a chance on him. I think you give him the $16 million and try to trade him this off season, but that's just my thought. What do you think? Yeah, I'm kind of, I'm kind of, I'm kind of there with you. Um, I do not see them not picking up his option. Which, uh, when we move on to uh, the stuff after this, um, we'll see where this is going to be a a bit of a, a sticky situation here. Um, yes, you're going to keep the uh, the sixteen million dollar club option with the thought that you know you're going to probably end up moving him at some point. Unless that he becomes, yeah, unless he becomes like some major, you know, cog in the operation here, that uh, he's probably going to end up getting traded. But the thing is, is that if you do, uh, if you do that, uh, you pick up a sixteen million dollar club option. It's also going to kind of, you know, you're paying him sixteen million dollars, so you're not going to. Uh, you're not going to give them up for nothing, right? You know, because you're I mean, also not you're 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 going to end up eating part of that. There's there's no doubt about that. Yeah, if you want anything in White return, Sox. anyway, right? Probably. The White Sox are going to have to eat part of that salary. There's no doubt about that. And like you said, that you know, when we get a little bit further into the numbers here, that really does become a sticky situation. So uh, then the other. One, which I'm going to assume that I do know what your answer is going to be, which is Cesar Hernandez with his $6 million uh, club option. See ya. See ya. He gone. Launch him. Launch him. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I don't don't see that. uh, I don't see that one uh, sticking around. Uh, He was terrible, like, after the first what week and a half, two weeks that he was here. He had a couple of, he had a couple of big hits, but that was pretty much about it. After that, he kind of just disappeared, was a non-factor. Certainly did not bring uh, to the table what he was doing with the Indians. Um, But, you know, you saw that uh, his numbers, you know, in April and May were, were garbage. And then June and July, he caught fire, but then we got him at the end of July and then he started tanking again. So, uh, what are you thinking, Xavier? Are you thinking uh, Kimbrel? Yes, Cesar? No, or what? Are you, what are you thinking? 
Yeah, I'm on the same page, but curious, do you think Cesar Hernandez is so far gone that he can't keep his, like, averages, like how he's played over these last, his career next season? Or is there someone, out, like, who's the White Sox, who do they go to for second base now? Well, that's a great gonna, question. Because it is. Um, I feel there is someone out there they can afford, then yeah, but it's million for Caesar if he could return to that Caesar Hernandez that he usually is over the last several years of his career. Well, here's the thing. Uh, I don't know. It, that's a, it's a good question, and I know there are a ton of Sox fans out there that immediately jumped on the Marcus Semien train. Bring Marcus Semien back. And the thing is, the White Sox have a history with Marcus Semien. Marcus Semien was drafted not once, but twice by the White Sox. He for he went he he uh he forgone his first uh for forgone, forgo, whatever. He 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 whiffed on his first draft by the White Sox yeah. and decided to go play college ball. Uh they they drafted him straight out of high school. Uh, it didn't work out for him that time. A couple of years later, they decided to draft him again. Uh, they've always felt like the guy could play baseball. And these last few years, after his first two years in Chicago, didn't go exactly awesome. The last couple of years have been amazing for him. And uh, because of that, he's going to cost some dough. He's not coming cheap. And uh, again, as we get into the numbers a little bit here coming up, uh I don't know that that's going to be a feasible get for the White Sox. So you, uh, who's this other, you say there's another guy on the list that's a free agent this year that is affordable for the White Sox. So, uh, who yeah, do you have yeah. in mind, Xavier? That's that's a good question. If you're saying uh, affordable. No, I, I don't have. <laughs> oh, <Okay. laughs> I, I'm saying the $6 million for Hernandez, like, is that too much if he can return to form? Or, like, who's there we'll see. that they can just put in that? If yeah, see, here's the dollars. issue, is that what he was doing for the last two months of the season, hitting 230, 235. I messed it up, yeah. That, no, that's back to form. What he was doing in June and July with the Indians was what was the thing that's that was unexpected. He's normally right. a uh, a two war player, uh, which is replacement level. Right, He's, and you know there was a there was talk about him, uh, being maybe uh, a defensive player because we all knew the the offense that we were going to get from him, it was probably not going to stay at the June and July level. So people thought, well, maybe we get the guy who you know was a Gold Glove finalist, Gold Glove winner. Uh, you know, you know, albeit shortened season last year, correct? Was it last year when he won the gold glove? Yeah, I believe it was. Yep. Uh, you know, and he had a couple of really good plays going deep out into the outfield and making some over the shoulder catches. And, but there were some, uh, there were some routine plays that, uh, he botched that I wasn't real happy with. And I'm sure a lot of other Sox fans weren't happy with. And, you know, Again, at bat in uh, the in the divisional series uh, that that at bat where uh, he just basically watched strike three it, over it's, the heart of the plate. It, I don't know if there's going to be uh, another player that you know we can say we could spend six million dollars on next year that's going to do what he does, but at the same time, it's a glaring hole. 
and uh, it might cost you more than $6 million. So um, the real question is who? But I, I, in my mind, all I know is not Caesar. That's, that's where I'm at. Just not Caesar. Give me somebody else. Give me some sort of hope that that hole can be filled. That position can be filled by somebody serviceable. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, like the thing is, is that we do have uh, another 2020 uh, second bla- second base AL Gold Glove nominee on the roster in Danny Mendick. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, no, that's a joke. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't, uh, you know, I've seen uh, several things mentioned by White Sox fans. I've heard the Semyon thing, of course, because he's playing second base up in Toronto. Um, besides the fact that he wants to be a shortstop, but he has uh, decided to uh, play second base because he's giving way to Bo Bichette up there. And uh, I've also heard, uh, as uh, Kendall's mentioning here, uh, the Corey Seager has been mentioned as well. Um, and I've also heard uh, Pipe Dream, which uh, another thing never going to happen, uh, Trey Turner. That's uh, there's no shot that's happening. Uh, uh, best zero. case scenario, but uh, zero chance that ha- that happens. And you know, you mentioned Simeon playing in Toronto. I'm pretty sure Toronto's probably going to throw a lot of money at him to stay there as well. Too, they yeah. really like him there. Yeah, they have said already. They've been very vocal about doing whatever it takes to keep him up there. So, uh, there's going to be a bidding war for him if you want to pull him away from there as well. So. Yeah, the White Sox don't do bidding wars. <laughs> they butt out right away. Oh, well, well, you know, unless unless you're, uh, I mean, there was a couple of guys. We 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 apparently, you know, I won't name names, but there was a pitcher, you know, just a year or so ago that uh, we offered five million dollars more to, but you know, his wife didn't like it here, so she uh, she talked him out of that. And then there was the other guy over there in San Diego <laughs> that we lost on a couple of years ago. Uh, you know last minute swoop in that uh you know Han and company felt hoodwinked on apparently so but yeah other than that there aren't too many uh bidding wars you're right hey true sayer how you doing uh true sayer brings up kimberl is not a setup guy he's a closer he's never been effective out of the ninth um yeah see there's also a thing is that uh kimberl also and we've seen it three times now. Every time he's gotten traded, it's taken him a while to uh, to rebound from being traded. So, you know, it's entirely possible that he comes out next year and looks great for the White Sox and raises that trade profile and, uh, and makes it great. But as Kendall brings up, uh, is that uh, he could completely tank and then you lose all of the, you know, you lose all of that investment. And the unfortunate thing there is that, you know, that's a $16 million player and you got rid of Madrigal and Cody Hoyer. And if you don't, A, get productive baseball from him, I mean, it already didn't do anything for us this year, uh, us, um, as White Sox fans, it did not do anything yeah. for us. It also did Air not folks. do anything for the White Sox. Um you know, it uh, it, it, it <laughs> well, didn't did not... do much for us as fans watching him either. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right it just made us angry. It didn't tickle um, my fancy, brother. Yeah, so, <laughs> uh, 
more than likely, you know, I, I think that he does uh, rebound and uh, comes back and is halfway decent. I mean, uh, last year uh, with the Cubs, he did uh, when he started getting his uh, his velocity back and figured everything out. He I don't believe he was the closer right away, and he was and he looked halfway decent. I don't think that it's a thing of him caring what inning he's pitching in. I think it's uh, with Kimbrel. It seems to be a, a comfortability factor, and uh, of being uh, ready to be where you are and do your thing. You know, it's like if anything for him seems to get out of whack, it seems like it throws him out of uh, throws him out, throws him out of alignment. That you know screws up his chi or whatever. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Maybe that's a the balancing thing. You know. Kind of yeah, throws him off a little bit. Kind of a good yoga studio here and uh, get his head straight. Yeah, he's a head case. Yeah, Seager, hundred hundred OPS plus for Seager. I mean, and again, you know, like I I have uh, a little bit more faith in Seager uh, in a clutch situation than I would some of the uh, some of the other guys. And as you mentioned, he does hit some home runs and he does walk a little bit. But at the end of the day. 100 OPS plus is still just an average player. You know? you know what? After after watching Cesar Hernandez the last three months, though, I'll take league average. And <laughs> yeah, well, you know, garbage. like, yeah, I mean, you're, uh, I mean, you're uh, essentially comparing, you know, like walking around with a Lego in your shoe to stepping on a nail. It's the same same thing, you know? They both suck, you know, but one is worse than the other maybe by a little bit, you know? I mean, uh, yeah, it's just not, um, I don't know. Personally, if I, you know, if we're going to spend money, I want it to be on an upgrade. I don't want it on a, uh, a sidestep, you know? Yeah, right, right. So, right. Um, we don't want to make any lateral moves here because then you're just making moves to make moves and it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, and it might even cost you more money. Yeah. I, and that's the thing is that I don't think that, I don't think Seeger is going to be cheaper than $6 million. No. Um, and I don't think he's necessarily really going to be any, you know, like he'll have some more power for sure than uh, Cesar Hernandez. Like Cesar Hernandez is never going to hit 35 home runs. But, um, you know, you're also not going to get the glove out of him that, uh, or you're not going to get the glove out of Seager that you get out of Hernandez. So it's like you're kind of, you know, giving up one thing half for a dozen, another. Six in one hand, half a dozen in the other. Yeah. Is what it is. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know how they're going to fill that hole. I'm kind of hoping maybe that hole comes filled or uh, becomes filled via trade this off season, but I'm not holding my breath. Yeah, me either. Yeah, you can get him for, you, yeah, you could probably get him for 10, but that's what we thought about Jock Peterson too. And now it's Jocktober and he's down in Atlanta hitting bombs and we're out of the playoffs without a right fielder again. So, uh, he thought he was worth more than that. And uh, so what yeah. a bummer that is, man. I got to tell you, I, you know, the guy thinks he's going to go test the market, thinks he can get more money and we lose again. And then they force $3 the million. issue. They force the issue and sign Adam Eaton and he gets released in May. That's not uh, that's not ideal. <laughs> you know, like if you're trying to if you're trying to make a winning baseball team here, that is not ideal. Uh, 
yeah, no, your premier that. free agent pickup of the offseason going into no. the other window of contention. Positional free agent, you know, because I'm sorry, you're Liam correct. Hendricks. So, uh, Which, by the way, uh, was pretty good. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, he, he ended up, uh, you know, tops, top saves and had like a ridiculous strikeout to walk rate. You know, he did give up yeah, a bunch of know, home runs, like like we, we mentioned. That yeah. He was gonna, that he was gonna hit, or he was gonna get beat on a little bit with the with the uh, with the dinger. But all in all, solid move for the White Sox. Can't complain about it. So Freddie Galvis, yeah, that's uh, you know, I mean, that's something worth uh, looking into. I, 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 he's okay. Um, I know that. Uh, I don't know. He's kind of one of those guys like he's uh he's he's nothing exciting, you know? Like he, you could put him out there and he's not going to lose you too many games, but he's also uh you know, I guess he'll probably lose you as many games as he's going to win you. <laughs> More or less, you know. His fielding's not very good. Um he strikes out a lot, but he does have power, and he'll get some hits, and he'll have some clutch hits as well. You know, like he can play baseball, but uh, is is it worth? Uh, is it going to be worth spending the money on him when you have uh, a Romy Gonzalez sitting there? Um, you know, when you've got Yolbert Sanchez, when you've got uh, a couple of in-house options at second base that are going to be. Uh, possibly, you know, roughly around the same area. You know, I I personally think that uh, Romy's got enough power in that bat that he could replicate something along the lines of a Freddie Galvis. You know, maybe not uh, not a lot better, but, uh, you know, if you're spending $10 million on him, is it really, uh, you know? Yeah, exactly. And you know? Consistent sub one hundred OPS plus. Exactly, exactly. My thinking is that it's just it's it's again it's one of those lateral moves, and it's not something that's going to uh, not something that's going to push you in a positive, um, you know, in a positive uh, direction as far as the record or uh, clutch hitting or anything like that goes. It seems to me like it's another one of those lateral moves that's going to be uh, at the end of the day is going to end up being a meh. You know, yeah, and you know, you you bring up Romy Gonzalez. Uh, he might actually end up being the best choice in this situation, as we've been saying over and over again here in the last few minutes. As we get into the numbers, he is going to be an option that's going to come uh, on the cheap and might actually produce a little bit. So, yeah. So let's uh, uh, let's move on. Uh, oh, uh, you got something? That's the last thing. Last thought. The the whole uh, Jocktober thing. That I think Adam Ethan's season. That uh, one kind of hurts. Just have losing out on Jack uh, Peterson, getting stuck with Adam Eaton. To just we uh, have something in common with Adam Eaton. Both of us spent the last two seasons, the last two months of baseball doing the same thing he did, uh, watching it from the seat. That's how little uh, left of baseball he had in him. Yeah, and it's it's yeah. one of those things. The the White Sox, uh, if you if you go back and you look at their uh, free agent acquisitions um, over the last, I don't know, if you were to say you were to go back and look at the last ten years of free agent pickups for the White Sox, 
the uh, I did it and I forgot what it ended up adding up to, but it was really ugly. Like there's, uh, I want to say that it was pretty close to uh, like two war or something like that, or three war out of like all of them for like ten years or something. It's ugly. It's, yeah, that's hot garbage. Hot. Yeah. So let's uh, move on to that other slide that we were talking about. Um, here it is. Yeah, the numbers so you've been waiting for. Here oh, is the one fun. that uh, we were talking about uh, as far as uh, what's going on here? What are you doing here? I don't know. I'm hearing that too. <laughs> what are you doing over there, Xavier? Me? Yeah. You making noises over there? No. Oh, all right. All right. So. Weird. Moving, uh, moving Thanks on. Some noises. Here is the White Sox payroll total for 2022. If Craig Kimbrell and Cesar Hernandez are indeed picked up, and here uh, you see that the active payroll is 163 and a half million dollars, uh, with a signing bonus still due of three million six hundred thirty-three three thirty-four. So for a total of 167, 133334. So the total AAV payroll equals 156 and a half million dollars uh, with estimated player benefits of 16 million dollars plus your MILB contracts of two and a quarter million. Uh, your projective competitive balance payroll is 175 million and three quarters um, with leaving you with 35 million dollars in competitive balance tax base. That means that the White Sox have $35 million until they have they hit the competitive balance tax. That is one of those things that you look at and as a White Sox fan, A, I never thought I would say that the White Sox are $35 million away from the uh, the soft cap. Yeah, basically. the soft cap where they're going to start paying a percentage, number one. And number two, it's only $35 million until you get there. And three, do you have any faith whatsoever that, that they hit it? <laughs> Jerry Reinsdorf is going to go any closer to that competitive tax threshold to actually get anything worth any value to add to this roster. You certainly are not getting Marcus Semyon because he's going to cost $30 million a year, probably for three or four years. Uh, you know, with his age, he's probably not going to get a whole, you know, like a whole lot more than that, you know, lengthwise. Um, that frontline starter that you're looking at. Nope. Out the window. Yeah. Not Go happening. On. Kendall That's all 35 says million. he does. Right there. Here is why. I'm. I will look forward I'm to the answer. I'm on the edge of my seat because. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't see it. Never. Yeah, I just they have money coming off in 2022. Yeah, Keuchel is gone. Okay, cool. So that puts you back at uh, you know 50 million away from the competitive tax threshold, but you also have escalating payrolls for some of the other players. So, you know, like you're yeah you're losing some money. But you're also going to be stacking up salaries for all these younger guys. Plus, 
you know, your your arbitration guys are going to keep on going up. AP Gaming TV, thanks for the follow. Aaron, thank you, sir. Appreciate hey, it. Hey, hey. Uh, yeah. MLB uh, show content uh, c- content maker there, Aaron. Right um, on. Yeah. Welcome, so welcome. I don't know, man. I like, yeah, Abreu's coming off. Yeah, there are a couple guys coming off. But here's the thing is that right now you're $35 million away from the competitive, you know, from, from, you know, as you said, the soft cap. I don't see them hitting that. And I certainly don't see them adding anything that's actually going to be worth anything of value just because they've never done it. And I know that uh, Rick, Rick Hahn is trying to uh, beat down all these barriers, but they said that we'd never do a deal with the Cubs. They said we'd never do this. They said we'd never do that. Yeah, it's like that whole thing. Um, I don't know, man. I just don't see them coming much closer. Even if they add $10 million, I mean, obviously you are losing $6 million in Cesar Hernandez. He's not He's not coming back. But you know that you have a hole at second base, you have a hole in right field, and you have holes in this rotation. Not to mention that uh, there's uh, there were a handful of uh... – there were a handful of uh, bullpen pitchers that were highlighted in that uh, in that graphic as well, and uh, those are going to be holes that needed to be filled as well. <laughs> so, yeah, some of that payroll is going to come off. Your but it, the thing is, is like you said, uh, arbitration numbers are going to continue to go up. Number one, uh, and the CBA, or I'm sorry, yeah, the uh, the this the competitive balance tax is only due to go up about two million a year for the next few years. Uh, two million is nothing. So that number isn't going to continue to grow by a whole lot. And the other thing is, is like you said, we have some of these backloaded contracts. There's a couple of backloaded contracts on this, on this roster. And I know Rick Hahn does a very good job of staying away from those. A lot of times there are a few where those, those, those payouts are going to grow over the next couple of seasons. So, which means the total salary is going to grow over the next couple of seasons. And that's something you got to be leery of as well, too. So uh, I don't know that they, I do believe they will go out and spend some money that, you know, they can't, they can't go into next season, especially watching what Detroit did this season with the handful of talent that they've got coming up and what they did with the handful of talent that they have right now, which is a small handful of talent, but these guys are going to be around another year and they've got some, they got some pretty big names in the minor league system that are going to be making moves here shortly as well. And of course, you know, yeah, right. Yeah. They got some guys on the way. That's for sure. And they've got a manager. So, you know, uh, the AL central is not going to be up for grabs forever here. Uh, and then, you know, obviously we cruised through the AL central and I, we, as the Sox, cruised through the AL central this year. And again, to first time that the White Sox have gone back to back in the playoffs in the team's history. And they were both first round exits. You can't think that they're going to stand pat and do nothing and expect to go further than they have now. So I do expect them to do something. I just don't expect them to go anywhere near that competitive balance threshold. Yeah, no. And uh, like, here's another thing to think about another one of those names that was on the 
list of pending free agents is Carlos Rodon. And as was mentioned by, uh, I believe Kendall mentioned it, uh, about extending him a qualifying offer, which is $18.4 million. If he does take that $18.4 million, well, guess what? Now you're $17 million away from the soft cap. You know, uh, well, probably right. 23 because uh, I would assume that Cesar Hernandez's is $6 million is going to be off the books and that they will pick up Kimbrell. But, you know, I mean, I don't know, man. I, I've i seen the White Sox operate. Uh, I just don't, you know, I don't think that uh, if, if the White Sox put the qualifying offer on Rodon uh, because they don't want to lose him for nothing, uh, you know, 18.4 gone. Or if you let him walk, now you've got another hole in your rotation. And it's a left-handed hole, and Keuchel sucks. So now you've got no left-handed starters. Right. And two holes in your uh, in your, in your your rotation, you know? Right. Now, and here's the other thing, too, is obviously that spot track number that was up there for Carlos Rodon for. Oh, no, yeah, I know. Yeah, I just put it in. $24 million a year for a guy who. I put it in there as a joke. This season and hasn't been able to really pitch an entire season in his whole career uh, and has had shoulder issues. There's, I don't know where spot track, sorry, is getting that number, but it's it's based on, it's based off of his stats for this year. I mean, we know that he's not going to get that. And, you know, like we've talked about it in here before, even three, even three years, 36, if the white Sox were to actually millionaire, that's still $12 million a year. And it still puts you at 20, you know, $25 million away from the salary salary cap. You know, or and, soft right, cap. and you still haven't addressed the holes that we're talking at about at right field, second base, backup catcher, and, an, and another starter, and because, another starter. Yeah, because Keuchel sucks. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you can't go out there. Uh, you can't. I mean, say you get lucky and 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 find some doofus who's going to take Keuchel off your hands. You lose a left-handed starter. Uh, you gain some payroll, but you still, ha- you know, again, you still have these gaping holes, you know. And the thing is, is that the guys that you pick up at these spots, they have to be difference makers. They have to be. Now, whether it be like chemistry, whether it be uh, solid defensively and uh, clutch, I mean, there has to be like it, it cannot be a lateral move. We've seen this show for two years now. And I mean, it goes first round outs aren't going to cut it. That's it. Yeah. First round outs are not going to cut it. Yeah. I mean, what do you want? Do you want two wins next year in the playoffs? I mean, it's better than we did this year, right? So two wins, you know, home field advantage, you know, I mean, two playoff series the last two years and we've had two wins total in Seven games. Yeah, Ricky Renteria has as many playoff wins in the uh, last three decades as uh, Tony Larusa with the White Sox. So, you know, they both have one win. Uh, granted, you know, last year you had expanded playoffs and whatever, and he uh, managed to uh, manage them right uh, right out of home field advantage for that series as well. Uh, Ricky Renteria did, but, um, you know, well, s- apparently, same results. uh, as part of the new, uh, CBA, uh, there is even more expanded playoffs on the table 
coming this year. Uh, there at least is going to be talks about that, but you know, that doesn't really matter to me because quite frankly, if we expand the playoffs and we, <laughs> what is that? No idea. That was really, really odd. Um. Yeah. So, did you hear that, Xavier? No. What did it sound like? <laughs> it's, it's. It sounded like somebody rubbing something on a microphone. Is really. It's like, sounded like some a, 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 ASMR stuff. Yeah. Like, like really, but really loud and kind of freaky. Yeah. Um. Well, it is October, right? Anyways, I'm sorry. I'm not going to continue to go on with that, but you know, you, you get the point I was trying to make, and that's, that's all I have to say about that. Yeah, I you know, uh, I don't know. For uh, w- once, um, I'm not. You know, I I'm kind of at a loss here as far as the White Sox go, as far as their payroll goes, because I don't think that they're going to spend really a whole lot. I think that all this stuff is mostly going to be done internal, and I think that uh, next year you're going to be looking at some of these minor league guys coming up to address these holes. And I see, I don't know. I hope that they better be good. That's you know because I think that that's probably what we're looking at. I don't think that we're going to be uh, spending a lot of money in free agency. I think. Uh, I mean, I know that uh, Kendall seems to think that they're going to spend money, but uh, I'm not there. Well, uh, you know, I don't disagree. I think they'll spend some. I just don't expect a giant splash. I don't expect any big splashes. I really don't. See, now that's the issue, though, is that, you know, unless you you manage to uh, jettison Keuchel and lose that, you know, and lose that money, and uh, if you manage to, uh, you know, drop, Cesar Hernandez and also managed to trade Kimbrel before the season starts. I don't see them spending a lot of money in free agency. You know, I mean, it's just, uh, and all of those things are possible. Don't get me wrong. No, they, uh, they definitely about, are. Aside from the, aside from the Keigel thing, I don't know that anybody's, I mean, somebody may, there might be a team out there that is going to follow the, you know, the new, uh, rebuild process of like a tank for the bank rebuild, you know, uh, you might want to take a Dallas Keuchel and, you know, maybe the White Sox pay part of his salary to, to get some of his money off the books. But I don't really see you getting anything for him. Uh, it would just be a salary dump, and you're still going to have to eat some of it. There's no way anybody's going to take it all. So, uh, But aside from that, you know, same thing with Kimbrel. You know, if you want anything in return for him, you're going to have to eat part of his salary too. So how much of that really is going to come off the books? Cesar Hernandez is really the only obvious one to me where $6 million comes off the books. Other than that, we're looking at, you know, I hate to say it, but like you said, it's either going to be somebody that's already in the system that isn't going to cost us so much. And I'm, you know, I'm not upset about maybe giving Romy Gonzalez a shot, but uh, you know, the rest of those holes, I'm not feeling great about at the moment, but Rickon has worked some magic in the past. Uh, you know, Jerry Reinsdorf is getting older by the minute. And, uh, you know, he wants to make us all feel like he wants to bring another 
ship back to the south side before he uh, crosses the Rainbow Bridge. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, not feeling great at the moment, but we'll see. Yep. It's, uh, I don't know. This is, this is, a. this is going to be a, a pretty crazy off season. Um, <laughs> now I haven't, uh, I haven't brought, uh, the rule five stuff up yet. Um, I do have, uh, infographics, uh, made of the rule five eligible players for the rule five draft. Um, but I did not bring them out tonight on purpose just because I knew that there was plenty of other stuff to talk about. Um, but that's going to be, there's a lot of guys on that list. A lot. Yeah. We're going to lose some guys there too. We're probably going to lose a few. I don't think we're going to lose a ton simply because I think a lot of other teams are going to be in the exact same boat. So they're going to be a little less likely to uh, to take some of these guys. A lot of the guys that uh, that we have going up are high ceiling, uh, very low floor guys as well that they could be uh, completely useless, but they could also, you know, be decent players. But the thing is, is that uh, the sheer number of them on the uh, the White Sox list for rule five guys it's it's pretty insane um when you think back to uh you know those conversations that we've had over the last few years about uh the the guys that we saw making making strides and doing stuff you you see this list you're gonna be like well that's a that's a lot of those guys that we were talking about for ages um so yeah we'll talk about that uh next week the uh the rule five stuff get on that um yeah. yeah, and you know what? This is this has been an, an interesting conversation. I think I will probably dig a little deeper on the free agent market a little bit as well, too, and kind of see if I can come up with some other scenarios and where there might be some money to be saved or made, or uh, you know maybe some other uh, players that might work out. And I'll dig into uh, I'll dig into the analytics and, and be a nerd and uh, maybe try to do my best Billy Bean impression. But uh, you know we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's going to be like uh, probably next episode is try and go over and try and uh, figure out uh, some potential moves, uh, some potential sleeper moves that uh, you would look at and uh, see what uh, see what's worth doing. T- you know, in your Jason mind, Kipnis is available. Yeah, <laughs> I can't stand that guy. Can't stand him. Willowbrook, total jag. Oh. Yeah. Anywho. Um, yeah, so I think that's it for this week. You guys good? Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually do feel better. I, I feel like I got some things off my chest and uh yeah. Feel like you got a little therapy session in, clear your head a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Yeah. This uh, you know, this last week's been a tough one. Um not not a fun week, but uh, I will say that uh, watching the Astros get their brains beat in a couple times has been kind of kind of fun, you know, especially with the uh, the amount of uh, smack talk coming from all the Astros fans. It kind of kind of not a half bad feeling. I don't like either team. In fact, I dislike both teams, but uh, I like seeing the Astros take it in the can. 
trash can. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Silver tongue you have there. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So until next week, uh, I think that, uh, yeah. So we'll try and come up with some lists about some, uh, some of these, uh, free agents and uh, what we want to do as far as like an off season plan. I think that this is uh, probably a decent time to do it because there's not a whole lot else going on. I mean, I know that um, the playoffs I mean, are some also other teams playing baseball, but you know, yeah, I mean, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Whatever. doesn't, whatever mean, doesn't mean anything to me. So uh, yeah, try and, uh, delve a little bit uh you know hopefully we'll have a little bit more of a sample size as far as the uh, arizona fall league goes um next week um because i mean as of right now like uh the way they do the arizona fall league they got pretty big rosters and our white Sox guys only pretty much uh you know play a couple times a week so you know not really a whole lot to talk of as of uh yesterday night i think i think the only there's couple of couple of decent hits, couple of RBIs, but not really anything else to speak of. So hopefully we can uh hopefully something comes up, we'll see some decent uh some decent swings go on down there and we can have uh something to dream on uh going into next season. So but uh yeah, call that for the uh love how people forget Boston did the exact same thing Houston did. No, yeah, I know. That's fine, but they didn't do it to us. Houston Houston beat us last week and uh then they proceeded to uh be loudmouth jerk offs about it. <laughs> so I'm all for seeing them lose this this year. Uh I'd like to see both teams disappear into the abyss, but that's not gonna happen probably. So um so we just I mean we could hope. But uh I don't I don't wish bodily harm on anybody. I just wish that they all fall into a bottomless pit and then not resurface until next year. Sounds good to me. Yeah. So uh, speaking of uh, disappearing and then reappearing, uh, we'll see you guys all next week. We will be back on Monday at 9 p.m. next week. Thanks, everybody in the chat. Uh, thanks for popping in. And uh, apparently apparently he's dipping early. So uh, everything's <laughs> wonky now. I can see your forehead only Danny. So yeah. So anyway, you guys have a great week. We'll talk to you guys next week. Uh, bring some, uh, bring some plans for next week to the chat and let us know exactly what's going on, what, what you have in mind for, uh, for what you want them to do. And, um, like to thank you for listening to slash watching another episode of White Sox Daily Live. You can find us on Twitter at daily white Sox at daily white Sox. You can find us on Facebook, and uh should be able to find this uh, podcast form uh, on every uh, platform that you uh, get your uh, – you're trying to do the uh, – what's his name was here? I forget what his name was, the guy with the nose that popped down and everybody would spray paint it on the walls. Anyway, uh, yeah, so I'd just like to thank you for uh, coming <laughs> and hanging out. And we'll see you guys next week for – Myself, Ian Eskridge, my co-host Danny Miller, D- Danny Miller, and uh, the now disappearing uh, face of Xavier Sanchez. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for popping in. Have a good night. <laughs>